0: It's basically at the end, John Doe is trying to play like. uh, Fuck, I had a really funny thing to say. Give me a second. Oh, here we go. Hey guys, I'm Alon. And this is David. Welcome to I Finally Watched, where we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before. And today, mm-hmm. I finally watched seven. I have one question for you, David. Don't do it. Don't absolutely. What's in not. the box? You know, when we when we agreed to do this episode, I laid some ground rules of things we wouldn't talk about, and I don't know why. I just let that slip through the cracks, but continue. Yeah,
1: well, that sounds way more like your fault than mine. Um, so Seven is a movie starring Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and directed by David Fincher, and it's one of my favorites. Like, not only do I love... Dark, gritty mystery movies, but I feel like this does that genre of film
0: so well. That was one of my biggest takeaways from this movie was, you know, how gritty it is. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of Fincher's other movies: Fight Club, Gone Girl is one of my favorites, um, and this is just kind of the movie's so unhinged. And the the violence is done so well. Um, this is the type of movie where we really can't talk about it without spoiling it. So if you haven't seen this movie, you shouldn't listen to any of this. Um, but he does a great job, I think, of not showing you too much as to be disgusting, even though a lot of it is just so vile, But but leaving it sort of, to your imagination and making it so much worse?
1: Well, one of the things that was interesting as far as like the gore and the violence goes that I noticed is a lot of it is shown in photographs um, that the characters look through and, uh, you know, study or we, we see as the audience at at like a, even the the dead bodies that appear, um, in the m- movie as, you know, mutilated and bloodied up to, a, to a certain degree, the camera is pretty far back on the shots. So we we get what has happened to them. And of course the movie explains through dialogue, what, what has happened to them, but Fincher doesn't linger on the gore. Um, and I think what makes it even more disgusting and vile is he leaves a majority of it up to our own imaginations.
0: Right. I mean, so, you know, the first death, the, uh, the gluttony guy, you know, you see this fat body over a table, you know, limp. And I think you see his face get picked up by, like, the coroner or the medical examiner. But really the worst the worst you see is when you later on see pictures of of the guy and you you know you get the explanation from the corner about how he died um and that was kind of the most you got to see of of one of these victims besides the the sloth uh victim that was still barely alive so yeah he and i i, I want to talk more about how you know showing less plays into the ending but we can do that later but i think given the the limitations of the movie um, being that this was made back when, you know, CGI might not have been as good or they might not have been able to do as much. I don't, I don't know if that played into his decision, but it, it worked, you know, not showing as much.
1: Um, I think what would be an interesting way of doing this is if we go about talking um, about each victim, you know, to the end of the movie, um, to what happens at the end, because chronologically as the mystery of who is doing this and why they're doing this, uh, goes through, the characters develop in such an interesting way, um, that it's, it's kind of a cliche. You have this cop, uh, on the edge of his retirement, Uh, seven days away from his retirement, by the way. Uh, And, you know, he's played by Morgan Freeman. And then you kind of have this new guy uh, who I think he's a, he's a transfer, right. Or he's moved.
0: He's from like a suburban, less urban area. Um, Yeah. And sorry, continue.
1: Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, he, he is from a less urban area and I, Remember one of the dialogue, and, you know, he's played by Brad Pitt. I can't leave that out. Um, One of the dialogue scenes between them uh, in the beginning of the film is that Brad Pitt doesn't want to be taken as a newbie by Morgan Freeman. He's like, you know, I've worked homicide. I've worked um, cases like these. And Morgan Freeman's like, yeah, but you didn't work them here. and. It, I feel like it kind of puts this kind of respect um, in between these characters that, you know, throughout the film, they, they do find this mutual respect for one another.
0: Um, yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Uh, I liked that Fincher did a lot of things with the characters that don't seem to have anything to do with the plot other than sort of develop, develop them as their characters. Morgan Freeman having a a switchblade and throwing it at a dartboard. Never pays off with anything, but it's just kind of it's just this cool character quality. The the little I don't even know what you call those, is a metronome that clicks back and forth for him to help him go to sleep. Um, I thought that was really interesting, that little plot device. And then Brad Pitt coming home and saying, Where are the children? And then running in to just lay down on the ground and play with his two huge dogs. Um, just to kind of show that he's not, you know, he's not like this fresh rookie. He wants to consider himself kind of a veteran, but at the same time, he's like sort of out there sometimes. He's like, oh, I feed off my emotions. And then he yells at a, a photographer, you know what I mean? So right. the, the, the those two characters were set up <laughs> extremely well.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I was, I was, uh I lost my train of thought for a second, but I was saying the clichéness of pairing, a naive you know young cop with a older on the edge of retirement cop is uh you know we've seen that before but like you said the little character uh nuances that fincher gives them not only separates them from things we've already seen but makes them worlds more interesting uh and I, I agree, I forget every time I watch this movie about the switchblade to the dartboard, and I always think it's gonna pay off. And I'm like, like especially in the end, right? And it, and it never does, so.
0: The other thing I really liked is, and this is something I noticed in the beginning, like my first thought when they start talking, when Morgan Freeman starts talking about the city um, to Brad Pitt and, uh, and to others is, this almost feels like Gotham, like yep. before the Batman comes. Yep. Like there's just crime everywhere and nobody can do anything about it. And then I, you know, it was something I started paying attention to and then I watched it again and was really looking for it. They never mention what city this is, like purposefully hide that from you to the point of where I had to look up where they filmed it. And of course it was LA. Um, but the way it shot, these kind of close up shots, even when outside, Um, this could have been anywhere. Well, I I mean, it
1: surprises me that you say LA because even though they don't say it, I just took it as a Chicago or New York, you know, where you think the crime rate is extremely high.
0: Right, no, that's, I think that was maybe the point of it, but that's what I'm saying. The the shooting of it even went outside Um, and the apartments inside kind of look like crappy, big city apartments. Um, And so... Yeah, when when I when I was watching, I was really paying close attention to the point even at the end when they're driving out of the city and there's a sign that says population like eight million people and then it just says city limit, not LA city limit, not Chicago city, not New York city limit, just city limit in big letters. And it's like they, I think Fincher really, unless I missed something, really didn't want to put a name on what city this was. But wanted to kind of leave it open as like this could be any big metropolitan area something this disturbed could happen
1: you know now that you mentioned batman how this movie plays out and ends it i didn't really think about this before but it does have a very like like what if this was like a, a batman villain behind all this like the mo and everything like that um, cause it, the crimes and the uh, psychology behind it is kind of like that bigness that you would expect out of like, uh, like a comic book villain.
0: Of course, you've had the villain in this movie play Lex Luthor before, so um, right, right, yeah, no, I, I think it, it definitely it it plays on those themes. Like I said, of of almost a Gotham where there's just this crime and that someone feels that they need to step in. And you know, almost Morgan Freeman is kind of that Batman character where he's been doing this for forever. And he's wondering what's it all been for. And, you know, I haven't even made a dent in it. Then you have this wide eyed Brad Pitt, I guess you can call him Robin <laughs> come in and, and think that he can make a difference.
1: Right. Well, you know, I was kind of thinking like if this was like commissioner Gordon trying to take on the Joker, Without a Batman, like, how would that play out? And I feel like it would play out almost exactly the way the movie actually played out. Um, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to the ending in a, in a second, but I do want to talk about, um, you talked about gluttony, but I want to talk about the lawyer, um, which was greed, right? Correct. <laughs> I feel like, you know, this movie being as old as it is, and when it first came out, the reveal is that Kevin Spacey is the villain. So we're just going to get that out of the way. And the character of Kevin Spacey is so meticulous in this, that he's thought of every single little detail. And he's left clues that you normally, you know, you kind of have to dig through a little to find that the the detectives have to dig through a little to find the next clue to the next victim yada yada and i i felt like the greed lawyer victim was so contrived with the painting in the eyes and everything like that what what did you think about that how that kind of like all played
0: out um no i i mean i kind of i liked it it was my first it's my first viewing but I thought this also played very much like a, you know, Batman's basically a a noir, but like a noir mystery. And so you have this Morgan Freeman character who is always kind of looking, you know, looking at all the angles to see like, oh, this looks obvious. You know, the first scene is him at a murder scene that looks so obvious. And he's like, oh, well, did the kid witness it? Did someone talk to him? And so I like the... I liked the puzzle aspect of it. Um, and I also liked that they didn't really explain, you know, there was very little backstory on John Doe, um, the murderer. And so I liked how there was this puzzle, but it's not really explained why it's a puzzle, you know what I mean? Or, you know, his thought process into making it a puzzle and whether he even believed there were detectives capable of, of solving this, you know, because some of these murders, um, like sloth would have never been found. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um,
1: well, I mean, the, well, that's kind of what I mean. Like, so you have, he didn't really need to leave a clue for greed because greed was so high profile. He was going to be found anyways. And it's interesting. I think, um, maybe the movie does explain this and I, and I missed it, but all these murders have already happened and it's in the way that John Doe wants to reveal them. Right. Um. So like for, hold on, for example, like they found gluttony first. Right. I, I feel like he, they were meant to find greed first.
0: No, I don't no. think so. Okay. You know, it, one, one kind of red herring that's thrown out in the beginning is um, after Brad Pitt like, reads the cliff notes, which I thought was really funny that he has an officer go get him the cliff notes of all these books that uh, Morgan Freeman told him to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little red herring thrown out there is like, oh, I thought Pride was supposed to be first. So then you're like, oh. Crap, like where is, you know, is there these others? Because some of them are out of order, but I think gluttony was supposed to be first. Okay. Because Brad Pitt even says, oh, the person had to come in on a Friday because they know that the lawyer went in on a Friday. So gluttony, I think, died first and then greed.
1: And which led to sloth.
0: Right. And sloth was the only one that was sort of pre planned so long ago
1: sloth i remember watching this for the first time and that jump scare still like like i i know it's coming i see it coming but it still shakes me when when uh when the guy wakes up still gets me
0: what i think even was worse for me was the pictures the polaroids they found of the guy of his deterioration Mm -hmm. like one of the final ones of him just screaming into the camera like each each murder is more disturbing than the last to where i can't really pick one that is like if you if you laid them out to me and asked me like which one would i pick i would probably pick john doe just getting shot in the head <laughs> but like i don't think that's an option but all the others um the first four or five are just awful
1: you know i also feel like Less and less so here's what I think it is, is that the the murders and the crimes get worse and worse as the movie goes. Like um, I would say gluttony is probably the least gory, uh, and then you have greed. I, well, I, would, I would say lust is one of the worst, but throughout the movie, you're shown. Less and less and less detail, right? But
0: I mean, first, like, not to have an argument over which one is worse, but I mean, Gluttony had to eat himself until he vomited and passed out, and then his he burst upon being kicked. But I mean, greed had to literally cut up. Could you, if someone said, "Here's a knife, cut pieces of yourself off," or "I'm going to shoot you in the head," I'd be like, "Just pull the fucking trigger." Because I'm gonna die. Anyway. Like absolutely <laughs> not. I can't cut anything off of myself.
1: No, no, wait. Was that greed or was
0: that pride? Greed had to cut a pound of flesh off, and he uh, John Doe had a scale set up in front of him. One side had like a pound weight in it, and greed had to cut pieces of his flesh off until it equaled a pound.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but um, if I'm not mistaken, pride also cut her face right i think he cut her face he cut her face okay the the one that the one that gets me you know i mean yeah sloth gets me in the jump scare but man lust is just brutal like oh brutal
0: no i'm really yeah no absolutely i think the way and i want to get back to sloth in a second but the way that they set up lust you see there, this is, and we got to go back to the apartment too. We're jumping ahead, but they they find this receipt for this leather store. They go into this leather store and the guy shows them a picture, a Polaroid of this outfit he created for John Doe. We don't get to see it. Then we find out that they found the lust victim. We go to this prostitute house.
1: It's called a brothel.
0: <clears throat> I don't think we've had this argument before, but they go to this den of innocence. Equity and find this guy freaking out and a a woman's dead body that we don't get to see. And then this, they then get put into these interrogation uh, cells, the the owner of the the brothel and the guy who uh, was freaking out. And then when you finally see this costume, it is so jarring. Like when all the dots connect of what happened, you don't see any of the gore and it is so jarring.
1: Well, that's kind of what I mean. I think it's one of the worst deaths uh, as far as like <sighs> horribleness goes. But you just don't see it. And and Fincher, his reveals are so... Like, you know, in Gone Girl, I feel like that whole movie is just one big reveal. And he does it in such a a, a way that I can't think of a director that does it in such a way that he does um and like you said you know you don't see the photograph you don't know what they're talking about and then when you do and it comes together in the most horrific way he's just kind of a master of that
0: no absolutely um and one thing i noticed and i know we had this discussion on cape fear about whether Robert De Niro was the maid when you first see him in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And when I was first watched this movie and you see that photographer and he comes in and he's taking photos and Brad Pitt yells at him. And then later on, Brad Pitt's like, oh, that was the photographer. I mean, was like, oh, well, that wasn't, you know, I knew Kevin Spacey was the reveal in this movie because I had a couple things like, I don't know, ruined for me, this movie is 25 years old. But I knew that Kevin Spacey was the the big reveal at the end, and I was like, that wasn't Kevin Spacey. Like this is another example of they had someone else do that part. And um, so when I watched it again, and I paid special attention to that scene, I was like, holy crap, that is Kevin Spacey, and you can tell it from the voice, and you can sort of they they obstruct his face, but I was like, oh wow, that was that was so well done um, to have him in there because. What I love about that scene is the detectives don't pay attention to it, but neither do we. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to speak for the entire audience that has ever seen this, but <laughs> I don't think anyone caught that.
1: <laughs> well, you're not supposed to, right? Because I think it. if I remember correctly, the movie was, in that scene, it was the comment of him feeding off his anger, right?
0: Right. I feed off my emotions. I
1: feed off my emotions, and it was also kind of uh, right after he pushes the photographer away down the stairs. He's like, "How how do these you know assholes get in here?" And Morgan Freeman's like, oh, "Cops pay them. It's like really good money."
0: Photographers I, pay the cops.
1: Yeah. For, yeah. Photographers pay the cops for for information and those details they kind of bombard the audience with that to to be like pay attention to this stuff like a like a smoke screen and and don't pay attention to the extra photographer that we have here
0: you know what's also funny is the two those two details also pay off in the end because of Brad Pitt's emotions and because of the ability to pay officers for information they shouldn't be giving out And those aren't things you're obviously going to catch until you know how it ends.
1: You said you wanted to go back and uh, talk about sloth.
0: Oh, well, this is also another Cape Fear connection. So, but the music, when they are on their way to find Victor, you know, the police chief and all the SWAT guys are like, this is the guy we're going to go get him. And then these really loud horns and it is so similar to the music you hear when Mac, katie is on the screen in cape fear um, which is really interesting the the music is so in your face in this movie but that one in particular was was fairly interesting mm-hmm. um and then there's obviously uh, we're trying to do this in order but i'm just going to get to it now um the music when brad pitt gets into bed with gwyneth paltrow sort of near the end of the movie when he tells her oh i love you so much and she says i know i love you too there's this weird music going on that's kind of eerie and it makes no real sense given that scene uh, and what's going on there until you know how it ends. And then it's kind of that the foreshadowing that Fincher does in this movie, and we can talk about it more later, but the foreshadowing is so good upon second watch, which when you follow this up with fight club, a few years, you know, four years later, he's really good at leaving breadcrumbs.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I have another detail, but we we'll, we'll, like you said, we'll get more into that uh, towards the end. Now, one thing was was interesting is that um, when they track down John Doe's apartment and they knock on the door, he's not home, and then he's like getting groceries, you know, coming back from like groceries down the hallway, and that whole uh chase scene it's one of my favorite parts in the movie it happens right in the middle of the movie where it's you know kind of like the tipping point are they going to get him and then how's the story going to unfold if they do or does he get away and how does the story unfold if he does and he gets away but not after just playing this like huge power move um where after like, I don't know, it's like a five, six minute chase scene through these alleys, apartment complex floors and stairways, he uh, gets the jump on Brad Pitt, knocks him, knocks him down and pulls, pulls a gun on him. And he could just end him right there. And he could not only that, but he could probably ended him, turned around and shot Morgan Freeman. And just the whole movie would have been done right then and there. But just the, you know, his plan. And you you kind of, as the movie progresses, you get a better picture of this guy's master plan.
0: Well, I think also too, like the movie turns on a dime when they find his apartment. Because after they find his apartment, like everything changes. First, you know, they go in and they, I really love the detail of seeing each exhibit of each murder. You know, the first one, it's these kind of cases that have like the spaghetti sauce and then the um, the books from the lawyer lawyer's office. Mm-hmm. But after that, they then get a a phone call from John Doe and he says, you know, sorry, I had to hurt one of you. Which along with saying, well, now I'm going to have to change my timeline. Um, it it kind of makes me wonder, and this, is, this leads to the end of the movie, but did, did he have those plans for Brad Pitt and his wife all along? Or right. did he, did by finding this apartment, they set in motion a completely different ending to how, you know, John Doe completed his great work.
1: Yeah, and, you know, is it, was it always supposed to be Brad Pitt and his wife? Or was it just supposed to be the cop and his wife that found him? Like, how set up was this uh, at the end of the movie when they have him in the back of the cop car? There's this, like, whole dialogue scene which tells you everything you need to know, but also tells you nothing uh so you know without getting too much into it he says that you only caught me because I let you and he's like nah you know Brad Pitt's like nope I'm not I'm not buying that we you know we found your apartment and he's like yeah but I got away and it's just like how much planning did he do did he really want them to find his apartment at that point did he really plan on like uh, if you notice when he was escaping everything was planned out he knew which rooms were unlocked he knew which windows to break he knew which alleys to go down so it's the reality of it is is how much are you willing to believe on how much he had planned
0: and also that you know, this movie is not about that chase scene. There's so much more going on in it, but that chase scene is so well done, Mm -hmm. so well choreographed um, and pretty intense the first time you see it.
1: Yeah, and I'm also wondering how did John Doe get on top of the truck in such a short amount of time?
0: I think he he was pretty far ahead of Brad Pitt to where he had the time to do that, but also like, you know, those a-holes in the alley, like just say, Hey, Hey, Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. He climbed He climbed on top of the truck. <laughs> he's, he's right there.
1: Uh, one of the fun things that I actually, um, I did not have to look up in one of my uh, many times watching this movie, but I guess I watch it so many times you eventually pay attention to things that I guess the filmmakers don't want you to pay attention to, but a, a fun gag, I guess, Literally, is that when John Doe pulls the gun away and kind of disappears as Morgan Freeman comes around the corner and Brad Pitt kind of falls to the ground just to pick himself back up, you see the tube going from his jacket down his hairline that is the um, that brings the blood dripping down on his face Um, because I guess they had to do that kind of blood set up so that all that rain doesn't just you know wash it away immediately but you can see the tube um, and it's so fast but I was I was just pretty proud of myself for finding that
0: it's funny you pointed that out to me after the first time I watched it and before the second and I did not notice it so then once he gets in the apartment and we talked a little about this before um, we started recording but The set design of that apartment, you know, the set design of of Gluttony's apartment, of Lust's apartment was amazing, but like the masterpiece of the setup of John Doe's apartment is just insane to me. The amount of detail, one, where was he going to put those groceries when he got back? Because it did not look like there was enough room for a kitchen with all the other crap he had in there, but.
1: Right, I mean, a guy, a, guy, a guy's got to eat, you know at the end of it, he is just a man, but what what's so interesting about his apartment is that, you know, like you said, there's no it didn't seem like there was a kitchen or you know what what there was of a bed or a bathroom.
0: Well which, no, the, the bed was under a bright red cross that he slept under.
1: Right, no, 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 I know, but I'm saying it, alluding to to all that it's um He was his work, I guess you would say. Like, there was nothing more to the character as a person than what he did for a living, I guess, which was kill.
0: And I love the symmetry of not knowing where this took place to not knowing anything about John Doe other than what happened in this movie. You know, oh, he's independently wealthy. We don't know where he got his money. We don't know his real name. We don't have his fingerprints, but he's insane. And that's all you really need to know is this is an insane guy.
1: I think more speaking on his insanity. Um, it's kind of like, you know, in uh, the dark Knight, the Joker is you you're given so many backstories. You don't know which is true or if any of them is are true. And for, for his explanation on why he does all this at the end of the movie, do you believe any of that? Like, he feels like he was anointed by a higher power or do you think it was all, like, BS?
0: I think Morgan Freeman answers that question when he says I believe that John Doe believes it. You know what I mean?
1: But you... So, yeah, you do believe he believes... I mean, obviously he's not appointed to a higher power of killing seven people for the seven seven deadly sins, but...
0: Well, yeah, I just think everything... No, I think in order to do what he did, you have to believe it. Mm. In order to set up the ending the way he did, I think think you would have to believe there's some sort of bigger purpose than you just finding horrible ways to kill people.
1: The only thing that challenges that for me is when Brad Pitt's like, or maybe it was Morgan Freeman. It was like, you enjoyed it. Like, like you can say like you were forced to do it by a higher power and that you're a martyr, which I guess in the end he was, but he's, you're like, you, you enjoyed it. And he was like, yeah,
0: I guess I did. Well, he was like, well, you know, Brad Pitt would enjoy taking me in a room and beating the crap out of me. and Brad Pitt was like, I would never do that. And it's like, Oh, don't say never. Don't. Right. I, I also, I also in that scene when they're in the car driving out to the field, Brad Pitt wired up and Morgan Freeman wired up and Brad Pitt's like, by the way, you're clearly insane. Right. And like, so do insane people know they're insane? Cause you're like the most insane person I've ever, like, what are you doing, Brad Pitt? This guy just admitted to everything. The only thing that could get him off is an insanity plea why are you telling a recording device that he's insane
1: yeah i mean it's it's kind of the the dialogue from brad pitt is kind of funny it's it's this like huge um taunting like a dick measuring contest and he's just like taunting him and taunting him and if you know how this movie is going to end you're like oh man you just wish it it goes down a different
0: way When it's also kind of like the pride comes before the fall, you know what I mean? Brad Pitt's like, Oh, we got him. There's not, you know, you're in custody. There's nothing more you can do to me or anyone else. So I can treat you as horribly as I want, which I mean, you don't need to treat this guy nice, but, and John Doe, just sitting there, like, you don't know what's coming. You're going to find out. Yeah. Yeah. And and Morgan Freeman, the, the veteran, the, (laughs) the Yoda of this, (laughs) <laughs> Basically just like you know, very tempered, um, very careful in the way he talks to this guy, even though he has him in custody, because he he can sense the 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 bigness of, of what might be coming.
1: You know there there's so many um lines of dialogue in this movie that are just so great. I think most of them are given to Morgan Freeman. Um, like just him talking to like the police chief and he, the, the chief is like, yeah, you're not, you're not leaving us. You're not really leaving us. And he's like, he's like, can you imagine not being a cop anymore? Morgan is like, that's the, that's the plan. Like that's the point of the whole
0: retirement thing. Um, I liked when he was talking with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and he goes, I understand you two are high school sweethearts which is not like a great quote or anything, but it's like, he can't turn off, even in this social setting, he can't turn off being a detective.
1: Uh, a, a really good line that wasn't given to Maureen Freeman. Uh, actually, I think it was given to one of the, either the medical examiner or just a cop. And I, oh, I think it was, he was definitely like some sort of doctor. Uh, and it was about sloth. That's right. So what happened was, is that they brought Sloth into the hospital and Brad Pitt asked him if he's said anything. And the, you know, uh, medical guy, it was like, you know, he, his brain is mush and he's been through the mo- most pain than anyone I've ever, I've ever seen. And he still has hell to look forward to. I thought it was just a great line.
0: No, yeah, it was. My favorite line, though, is the police chief sitting there listening to the explanation from Morgan Freeman about gluttony and um, greed. And then the phone ringing. He's like, hold on for a second. It just answers it. This isn't even my phone. and hangs up. Or this isn't even my desk. and hangs up. It's like, well, why'd you answer it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's, you know, like, it's just character on top of character. I don't know if that you know says anything more about him than just a funny moment but it just it doesn't this movie doesn't really feel like um you wouldn't just put a funny moment in there just because right so it just like it just adds to who these people are and it gives them like a real dimension so when the ending happens i think that's just like heavier on everything
0: when you and you can also because of the way the characters are developed you know if you have Brad Pitt who is driven by his emotions and then Morgan Freeman telling him, you can't you can't kill him, you're giving him what he wants and Brad Pitt just like, I know I'm going to give him what he wants and the audience knows that I'm incapable of not giving him what he wants. Mm-hmm. What I enjoyed up until that point before the ending and this is something you notice a lot more on the second viewing is all the foreshadowing. Um, One thing real quick is, you know, John Doe says I have to up my timeline. And then the next murder you hear about Pride, he just calls it in because, like, I don't have time for you guys to find clues anymore. But then the the foreshadowing, you know, I went into this knowing two things about the movie. Or, you know, I knew I knew Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt were the stars, obviously. But the two things, the other two things I knew was Kevin Spacey is the big reveal as the villain. And I knew what's in the box? What's in the box? And so seeing Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman's reactions to the different murders throughout and just them handling it pretty well, as soon as Brad Pitt walks into the, the police station and someone says, your wife left you a voicemail and he doesn't call her back. I was like, all right, I know, you know that's when I knew what the reveal was mm-hmm. and so then hearing all of this foreshadowing after that it's it just like builds even though I knew the ending it builds to like this moment of like oh man that's that just sucks you know when when Brad Pitt is talking to uh it's the whole group talking to Kevin Spacey's lawyer that's been appointed for him and he says my wife doesn't even have cable and it's like well that's true <laughs> Yeah. For different reasons. Right. Um, And just when you get to that ending, it's almost because I knew it was happening. It wasn't as shocking to me. I'm curious when you first saw this, at what point did you know Gwyneth Paltrow's head was in that box?
1: Oh, boy. So i think apart from this time i've seen it three other times one was last year two was at the beginning of college and then the time before that was my first time and i can't remember for the life of me if it came as a surprise or if it was ruined for me uh so honestly i don't know i i think even I think this is one of the things that even if it's ruin for you, as you watch the movie and you see Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Baltrow's relationship develop, and then you find out she's pregnant and she hasn't told him yet and she's told Morgan Freeman and just the weight of that in the end, I think that just kind of, that hits you whether you know what's coming or or not.
0: Right, and the, I have actually kind of a streak now of having David Fincher movies ruined for me. Because oh, no. this, this one, uh, Fight Club, uh-huh. I, which Fight Club is still so enjoyable, even if you know the twist. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I think I looked on IMDb or something like before I watched it, and just like the names of the characters just give it away. So if you haven't seen Fight Club, don't do that. Just go watch it. And then I've seen the ending of the game, which I didn't have any intention of watching but once I realized it was a fincher movie you know I w- I would have watched it had I not I'm still going to but you know I've had a lot of his ru- his movies ruined for me unfortunately but I I agree with you that it's you know I didn't realize it until 20 minutes left in the movie um you know you've developed this sort of affection for for Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, their relationship. Because, I mean, Brad Pitt's kind of, he's like a lovable, not perfect character, you know what I mean? He's he's kind of like the dogs he plays with. He's He's got these streaks where he can be impetuous and, and make rash decisions, yell at a photographer or kick in the door of, of John Doe just because he wants to. Um,
1: right.
0: And so he's he is a likable character and you really, you know, you find out his wife is pregnant and you, just, you know, it still hits you hard, even if you see it a little bit early.
1: Yeah. And I, we talked about this and and probably after my second viewing of this film back in college, cause I was, I was at that point studying film, but it did occur to me how kind of messy the ending was for John Doe because so far what he said in the car on the way to the, which I got to talk about for one second, set locations uh, that field with the telephone wires at the end of the movie. How awesome did that look?
0: No. Yeah. I mean, it's iconic at this point.
1: And then the other really cool scene was when Morgan Freeman was in the library and, uh, all the green desk lights were on.
0: No, I mean, every every set piece in this movie was awesome. Even down to the little pizza place where they met the FBI agent. Yeah. Like, you can see how great Fincher is, even in basically his, you know, he directed a lot of music videos, and once again, he directed Alien 3. But This was kind of his big break, and he nailed it
1: yeah i mean you you also have you know studios trying to tell you what to do and you know budget to to take into consideration but this kind of feels like fincher with no one telling him what to do and with a almost unlimited budget it's like boom this is and and speaking of of fincher movies that have been ruined for you And me, because like I said, I think this movie was Fight Club. This isn't a real statistic, but I'm pretty sure Fight Club is the most ruined movie to anyone who hasn't seen it. Um,
0: Please don't do any research on that.
1: (laughs) But I did not read Gone Girl. And I went into Gone Girl. And I left Gone Girl being so happy that nothing was ruined for me because the reveal and how all that uh, happens in the movie was one of the most enjoyable like film uh moments that i've i've had
0: no absolutely yeah i didn't have gong girl ruined for me and i loved it um that is there's so many shocking reveals in that movie um
1: but so so back to what i was saying before the talking about set locations. Um, John Doe's plan, I feel, gets kind of messy from when he starts talking about how he has, you know, not killed any innocent people and that he's a martyr appointed by a higher power, I guess, God in this case. And then he goes upon being like, oh, uh, the people I killed are not innocent. They are, you know... um, a prostitute, a guy who ate himself to death, a lawyer who was super corrupt and, you know, yada, yada, pedophile. And, um, but I don't know, even if he gives the explanation, but Gwyneth Paltrow is an angel in this movie. Yeah, She's pretty cool. And and so it's just, his whole thing kind of falls apart when not only does he kill her and she's not one of the, uh, seven deadly sins, but she also has she is innocent.
0: Yeah, I mean I think the logic you could make is that Gwyneth Paltrow is killed and you know her connection to Brad Pitt who is wrath caused his wrath to kill Envy. But the whole John Doe calling himself Envy too kind of is a little weak. He's like, so, oh I guess I'm he's like oh hey uh and I guess I'm envy because I envied your life. Ha ha ha, please shoot me.
1: Yeah, I envied your life so that death is envy and then I guess I ruined your life by ruining your police career and killing your wife and baby and so you're dead too like metaphorically It was and basi- like just it's messy ba-
0: it's basically like at the end John Doe is trying to play like seven deadly sins bingo and just like alright yeah this one works wrap it up like we're done here
1: well that kind of leads to what we were talking about earlier is that was his plan always you know to terrorize the family of the cop that is going to bring him down or did he have a different like plan and play that didn't involve brad pitt and gwyneth baltrow so then it's like because the ending was was messy for him that makes me think oh he had a different plan and if he had a different plan then where are the bodies for those people
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think the sloth death is the only one that he planned way out in advance. Um, And so I think that's, I I like that it's left open-ended was his plan all along to go after, you know, the detective assigned to it. You know, he's so meticulous in how he planned this out, but there's no way he could plan that Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman would be assigned to this. So I do like how they left it a little wide open. Was this the original plan or did things change once his apartment was found? Um, I, I also liked, you know, there's a lot of details left unsaid that were put in there, but then, you know, aren't mentioned. I like, I mentioned before the, the cases that had like the spaghetti sauce and the, the law books and like the sloth stuff. I liked that they didn't, you know, go into some like hyper explanation about, oh, serial killers like to keep totems of their victims. I like that they just showed it and you know they kind of moved on. I I would have been so pissed if I had to be the set designer for Fincher on this because there's so much just extraneous stuff that was never used. But it really adds to you know the movie these extra bits.
1: Well what I think was kind of a payoff for the set designer is that in the opening credits when you see I guess presumably John Doe writing and scratching off and cutting and sewing all these notes and evidence files and whatnot. Um, I believe those are the the set designers' hands, um, you know, with makeup and bandages and stuff, but that's that's either him or Fincher doing all that work being shot. So, you know, some some of it that wasn't seen in the actual movie, I guess you could say got caught in Um, in the opening title sequence so one thing i want to talk about before we uh we wrap this up is that originally in the script uh morgan freeman's character was supposed to shoot john doe and kind of take brad pitt's place as not wrath but he was he was trying to ruin uh john doe's whole plan by him being the one shooting him and Letting Save, Brad,
0: Pitt, yeah, saving Brad Pitt,
1: saving Brad Pitt's career. Um, I, I guess. I mean, after having your wife and and you know, unborn child taken away from you, I don't even think he would want to be a cop. But I guess jail time would be even worse on top of that. So, it, you know, he was just. I think it was a big like "f you" to John Doe, being like, "Hey, you had all this planned out. I bet you didn't see." this coming, you know? And, uh, you know, Fincher obviously didn't do that. Fincher let Brad Pitt uh, kill him and complete the perfect, I don't know what he was even trying to accomplish, but, you know, uh, whatever he was trying to do. And I I think I always, you know, kind of told myself, Oh, I wish he did that one. You know, I, I wish Morgan Freeman uh, killed him instead of Brad, but looking back on it now, the grittiness and dark themes throughout the whole film are just exemplified by the ending that we do get, and so even though it 's not the most satisfying ending, I think it 's the ending that is the most appropriate for the the rest of the film we 've watched.:
0: I agree. What this, the ending of this movie really reminds me of Rosemary's Baby. In the ending of Rosemary's Baby,
1: I've Ros- never seen it. Really? Yeah, I've never seen Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> are you going to ruin it for me? All right, go ahead. Well, fuck.
0: I mean, do you know how Rosemary's Baby ends? The baby is the devil, and that's all I know. All right, well, fucking good. Then you have the movie ruined for you. Now it's going to be slightly ruined more for you. Okay. In the ending of rosemary's baby she figures out that her child that was stolen from her um is half her child and half the devil's child and you're kind of hoping that she murders the baby but she doesn't she ends up kind of looking like she might love the baby and it would be a much more satisfying ending as a person who's like invested in the movie to see her kill the baby it would be a much more satisfying ending to see Morgan Freeman shoot Kevin Spacey in the head. But from a filmmaking perspective, it's so much more effective and it affects you as an audience member to see her love that baby and to see Brad Pitt give John Doe exactly what he wants. And you don't get a happy ending. You get like a real world ending. And so it's just so much more It's not the ending I want. (laughs) You've made so many Batman references since (laughs) I brought up. This reminded me of Gotham. And so I guess I'll finish this off. It's not the ending we want, but it's the ending we need. And one thing, because this movie is so plot driven, we haven't talked about the actors, which I feel is kind of a a mistake on our part. Like, obviously Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, are amazing in most things they do and this and Gwyneth Paltrow is great as well yep but one thing when you go back and watch movies you haven't seen you recognize all these faces that you know now but you you know like oh that guy's in there and yeah like you like you learn along the way like Richard Roundtree who most people just know as Shaft is in this oh as yeah the, Shaft. as the yeah. DA their sergeant Arlie Ermey who is best known from Full Metal Jacket, but I know from Saving Silverman mostly. Okay. Probably my fault. Um, And then John C. McGinley, who most people know as Dr. Cox from Scrubs, and I also love him in Office Space. So, like, it's cool to see those people in in this movie. So,
1: Seven definitely falls into my top, you know, 10 favorite movies. Uh, I would say number seven of my top favorite movies. That's bad. But uh, I, like again, I think I know your answer. But would you, would you watch this again? And how much did you love this movie?
0: I loved it. Um, I'm going to need a break from it for a while just to get some of the images out of my head that, that were in this. But I'll absolutely watch this again. Well, thanks for listening. Um, today, I finally watched Seven. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.